This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore, and this is The Breakfast Wrap for this Wednesday, February 15th. The weather forecast for today, freakishly warm, a high of 15 degrees, mostly cloudy skies. Don't be surprised if you see a shower. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, a poll finds Torontonians are split on whether John Tory should stay or go. Number two, a dramatic council session will convene today to debate the Toronto city budget. Number three, a teen injured as three are taken into custody over that subway slashing. Number four, the governor general shutting down social media accounts. And number five, Ryan Reynolds, one step closer to buying the Ottawa Senators. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Well, welcome to your Tuesday. Listen to me. Wednesday, I guess that feels better. The fact that it's Wednesday, you know, we're closer to Friday, but also a dramatic and uh, somewhat roiled week in the life of this city. And I'm always mindful, you know, as we spend a lot of time on things that are happening in Toronto, you may be waking up in Mississauga and saying, you know what, I don't care about your budget. Thanks a lot. Pay your taxes. Keep moving. But, um, you know. It's the largest city in Canada. It's uh, where we are headquartered and sitting right now. And all of this drama with John Tory and everything that's going to be happening today is still pretty important stuff. So the newest thing today would be that there is a poll. And we knew this was happening yesterday. We talked about it on the show because people were calling us and texting us. And, you know, I was getting texts to me personally saying, hey, I got a robocall last night. And it was asking me if I think that John Tory should stay. And actually, we have some of the audio of this robocall, do we not, Nick Mariano? Uh, throw in clip number 20. And I don't know if you've taken part in polls like this. I often do because I just want to know what are the questions people are asking. It's not that I really care about registering my opinion. I want to know who's polling on what. And I'm part of a couple of polling groups that are done online. And it's always like, oh, okay, we get into this whole section about, do you think that hydro should be a public asset? And it's like, okay, I wonder who's, I wonder who's asking that question, but I'm certainly glad to know that we're polling on it. Um, but an awful lot of people got robocalls and were asked these questions. Do you feel John Tory is making the right decision by resigning as mayor of Toronto, or do you feel he should not resign and remain in office? If yes, he made the right decision by resigning, please press 2. If no, he should not resign, and he should re- Okay. You know what? In listening to that, already it seems too complicated. And maybe it's that, like, after 6 p.m., I check out. I mean, we watch the news, we have a nice dinner, and maybe we watch an episode of Will Trent. But, you know, that level of if-then scenarios would be more complicated than I would be prepared to respond to. However, the important thing would be that the results are in. It was a poll being done by the forum group. They polled 1,000 Torontonians, which is a significant polling pool, but not actually as big as you might want it to be. But I think this was just sort of somebody pulled out a checkbook and said, do a poll. And I think eventually we'll know what the full story behind the scenes is with what's been going on since last Friday night. 
and how much, if at all, John Tory is on board with the idea of people petitioning him to stay. And we'll hear from one of them today. John Burnside is going to guest on the show again today. And he's kind of leading the charge as a Toronto city councillor in saying he wants John Tory to stay. I, as I said on the show yesterday, tend to favor the view of Ed Keenan, Toronto Star columnist, which is that John Tory's brand is such that he decided to resign on Friday. He means it and he'll do it because for him to soldier on as sort of a one of those cynical politicians who will do anything to stay in power, I just don't think that's part of his DNA. I think that there is a degree of, um, you know, sort of self-flagellation ahead and exile. And then we'll see what the next chapter for John Tory might be. Hey, maybe he comes back to radio. I know that a lot of you would be very eager to hear from John Tory again. And I also know, in addition to his appreciation for the notion of public service, I think radio is one of his favorite things ever. I think that's one of his happiest times is when he was working here hosting our afternoon show. So enough delay. Uh, the poll result is this. The forum research poll found 45% of those polled said he should not quit. 43% said he should quit. 11% have no opinion, which I never quite understand. You know, I don't know. And how could you be that, you know, I, how could you not have an opinion on this? I mean, there's a whole song about it. And later on, Nick, will have to pull it out. Should I stay or should I go now? Okay. Because, you know, it's part of my British invasion stuff from the early 1980s. Um, here's what I would say. And you know what? I'm always mindful. I, I, I would imagine there's a very, very significant possibility that John Tory, who used to always listen to the first hour of the show, wants nothing to do with it right now because it just reminds him of what a maelstrom he is in. But I'm always mindful that he might be listening. And that really has no consequence to what I want to say to you, which is 45% is not good enough. If 75% of the people who had replied to this poll said they wanted John Tory to stay, that would be persuasive. 45 to 43% is not persuasive. Torontonians are split on this. They're already moving into the next political chapter. And speaking of mayors, I spent a lot of time in and out. I was on the road a lot yesterday, and so I would just keep tuning into Hazel McCallion's funeral proceedings. And one of the things that killed me is I was on my way to lunch, and there were bagpipes. And I was on my way back from lunch, there were still bagpipes. But I also reflected on, you know, the flag-draped casket and the honors that are on pillows and the family and the tributes and the shouldering of the casket. These things matter. And even though it means nothing to Hazel herself, it means something to her legacy and to her family and to the people who loved her. A scene of respect, a funeral of the highest honor, a homecoming for Hazel McCallion. On what would have been her 102nd birthday, McCallion was remembered as a leader like none other. Very determined, very hardworking, no nonsense, and successful. You were never in doubt as to where the mayor stood on any issue. Mayor of Mississauga for 36 years, she was called the matriarch of her city, always influential. The last time we spoke, she told me how proud she was of my council. With that influence stretching farther than her city, a presence felt at all levels right up to a recent talk with the prime minister. 
She told me, I had to keep pushing hard for Canadian jobs and workers during President Biden's upcoming visit to Canada, and of course I said I would. It was impressive that she was still working hard herself and always putting people first. Her influence most evident through an emotional Premier Doug Ford, who rushed to be at McCallion's side before it was too late. I took her hand and offered her as much comfort, comfort as I could. I told her, I love you, Hazel. Earlier in the day, they lined up by the thousands to enter the Paramount Fine Food Centre. As leaders were eager to tell stories about McCallion, like MP and former Ontario Finance Minister Charles Sousa, who once was with McCallion in Europe. And then some guy comes up in a big stretch limousine, and he was the mayor of the town. And Hazel goes, how big is your town? Oh, it's 100,000 people or something to that effect. He goes, I got a million people, I drive my own car. <laughs> there were some beautiful moments yesterday, and it was so different from the funeral I was attending for David Onley, which was an extraordinarily solemn affair, and so it should have been, and, and fitting with David Onley's legacy. But yesterday, the level of applause and laughter was also in keeping with Hazel's personality. All right, time for what Toronto is talking about with News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, good morning. Happy middle of the week to you. Uh, let's start with this. Polls are showing that Toronto residents are actually mixed about Mayor John Tory stepping down as mayor. Jennifer, we started to hear from people yesterday morning about getting robocalls through the weekend, asking them whether or not they thought John Tory should stay on. The results of that forum research poll are in this morning. A thousand Torontonians were polled. 45% think he should stay on 43% say he should quit. I have no major special analysis, but my own call on this is that's not good enough. If, if this poll had come back and said mm -hmm. 65%, 70%, 75%, then I would think John Tory might reflect okay. more mm -hmm. on his intention to step away. But, uh, you know, a split poll like this, I think, suggests that Torontonians are kind of indifferent about the whole thing and they're not lamenting so much the fact that he may step aside. Mm, interesting. And before he actually, you know, steps aside, he is staying on today to lead the budget meeting at City Hall. This is a $16.2 billion spending plan that includes more money for transit security, uh, more money for police, uh, $48.5 million for police and it's largely unfunded as a matter of fact we're still in the hole for last year and this budget needs assistance from the federal and provincial budget uh, uh, levels of government as well so it's going to be an interesting battle I plan to head over to City Hall after my show this morning because I just want to see what happens there is a portion of council that is going to push back against John Tory he's going to use his strong mayor powers before he leaves office so there's going to be an awful lot of floor drama yeah especially uh, regarding that police budget all the money going there. Uh, John, speaking of, you know, policing and security, we've seen an increased presence on the TTC subway system, uh, but there was a violent incident of a woman being slashed in the face, and now three teenagers are charged in that Spadina slashing. There are two aspects to the story, as a matter of fact. First of all, the attack, as you mentioned, a woman who was slashed in the face, treated at the scene and sent home. Uh, but there were three teenage assailants at the time. They have all been intercepted and arrested by police. But in one of those arrests, one of the teens was injured in some respect. So the Special Investigations Unit has been brought in to take a look at that. But the uh, teenager was dispatched to the hospital. I think it's notable here. 16-year-old boy, 15-year-old boy, 15-year-old girl, all in involved in this slashing incident, a bit too reminiscent of that swarming mm. and fatal stabbing that happened in the city's core. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
All right. Okay. Moving away from that onto another disturbing incident, John. Yeah. Uh, Mary Simon, the governor general's office, has closed their social media comment section after a wave of hateful remarks. I think anybody who's been on social media knows just how toxic it can be. And Jennifer, you as a public figure and a media figure, you probably know. Mm -hmm. You know, I recently posted a picture of myself, a photograph of me golfing. And mm -hmm. the, the comments about, you know, what my legs look like and how pale I am and how crappy my stroke are. I just thought, <laughs> why what? do I bother? But the governor general has actually suspended the ability. She will still continue to post, but nobody will be able to comment on her postings moving forward. I don't know if this will be a definitive moment in our debate about how awful people are on social media, but it's an interesting development. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I saw your photo of you golfing, John, and I thought your legs look really defined. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Apparently I'm veiny. <laughs> veiny is a sign of uh, muscles. Okay. Uh, John, moving on to this. This is interesting. Uh, could... <laughs> <laughs> Could magic mushrooms be an alternative to medical assistance in dying? Interesting debate because there has been some discussion over the last couple of years about the helpfulness of magic mushrooms uh, for people who are terminally ill. And apparently going through one round of medical supervised treatment with magic mushrooms reveals an, or relieves an awful lot of the anxiety that people have about their imminent death. So the debate is on and I'm looking at an interesting account in the Globe and Mail mm -hmm. today where they actually cite some case studies. But effectively they're saying if we're ready to offer medical assistance in dying to a person with cancer, mm -hmm. why wouldn't we allow them to do mushrooms, which are currently illegal? Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and there's all kinds of stuff about people microdosing mushrooms as a way to help depression. Obviously, that's kind of early in the early stages, but we'll have to see where this one goes. All right, John, uh, great chatting with you. Don't let those haters get you down. You know, when, when they start hating, it means you've made it. So <laughs> happy golfing. Okay, so immediately after this appearance, uh, Bill decided to put up the picture that we were talking about. I guess now maybe Joe Christiana, we have to post the picture or repost the picture. I put it on Twitter. I don't let people get to me on social media. I just, I reached this very, very funny moment pre-Christmas where I thought, who really cares? It used to be, um, I always remember the story they would tell that uh, Mozart's mother, in order to get him out of bed in the morning when he was a child, and it's probably apocryphal, but who cares, would play a scale and she wouldn't play the last note. And he would come vaulting out of bed and run to the piano and hit the last note. And that's how I used to feel about somebody picking a fight with me on Twitter. And it would just, it would just eat at me and I'd go downstairs and start making dinner and I think, I have to respond, I have to. And now I really don't care. I mean, I do respond from time to time, but I don't get into arguments. And the guy who thinks I have veiny legs, I really don't care. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.37 on a Wednesday morning. Well, there's some motivating music for you. We were playing a couple of tunes yesterday morning where I thought we were probably encouraging people to stay in bed. But that's the kind of thing, like, that's driving music. You know, you're on your way, here comes your day. And honestly, here comes your day weather-wise. I mean, okay, yes, it's going to be windy. And as a matter of fact, if you get to 70 kilometers an hour, that's where, I mean, the wind, I always say, becomes a nuisance around 50 kilometers an hour. Anything over 50, and it's like you got to hold on to your hat. And if you were on a bike, for example, you'd be cussing out loud if you are of that disposition. 
Uh, but the other crazy thing today is this high of 15 degrees. Bill Coulter was saying, I mean, that's going to not only break a record, but what goes beyond breaking a record? I mean, the record for today, I'm going to double check it actually during the next break. But I think the record for today is like 11 and a half degrees. And we're predicting a high of 15 degrees, which is just nuts. I guess I can just call it off right now. I ain't going skating on the Ottawa Canal this year. It just is not going to happen. So the poll out this morning would suggest that the inevitable, what would one say, uh, you know, progress toward John Tory no longer being the mayor of Toronto is is probably going to continue. We are going to talk to John Burnside because he's one of the city councillors who's leading the effort to try to convince the mayor that he should stay on. And for the record, somebody was hectoring me yesterday on social media. What is your position on this? I would prefer that John Tory stay on. I have tremendous sympathy for whatever challenges he may have in his marriage and with his family. Uh, but I have always been uh, supportive of John Tory as the mayor of Toronto without being too much of a cheerleader because I disagree with some of the policies. Uh, I have mostly embrace his vision of the city of Toronto because I think he's largely uh, Michael Bloomberg sort of figure. And I'm a big believer in the Jane Jacobs vision of a city. Doesn't mean the whole city has to be a pedestrian mall, but it means each neighborhood has to be engineered in such a way that it is a supportive living environment for people who maybe want to live within five blocks of their home. And let's figure out a way to do that. So I have, over the last eight years, believed that John Tory was a good mayor, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sad. I'm sad for him personally, but I'm sad for our city, and we will marshal, you know, we'll, we'll move on. Somebody is going to take over and be the mayor, and we're all going to be fine. Um, but I'm sorry to see him go because I thought that the next three and a half years were going to be interesting as he tried to cement his legacy. But this poll out this morning, while suggesting Torontonians may be split on whether he should stay or go, I think the major takeaway is that there's not enough people saying, please stay, please stay, please stay. We have a bit more audio. Somebody, when they got one of these robocalls, immediately threw it over to their computer and started recording the audio. And uh, Nick, I don't think it really care. It matters which of the clips we play, but this is the robocall that went out asking people what they thought about whether John Tory should stay or go. Do you feel John Tory deserves a second chance to be mayor despite making a personal mistake? If yes, he should have a second chance as mayor of Toronto. Please press two. If no, he should not have a second chance. Please press three. Do you believe John Tory should resign immediately as mayor of Toronto or finish his current term in office? All right. Yeah, I'd be very curious, the person who recorded it, how they were voting, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, they are one of 1,043 people who voted in that poll, which, as I was mentioning, found that 45% thought he should stay on, 43% thought he should quit. I'm actually a little bit surprised at that. Um, cause I don't know, we're living in different times. There's a column today and we'll get deeper into it, uh, later on. Rosie DeMano, who I am a, a great big fan of and who apparently doesn't do radio interviews cause I've asked her a million times to do radio interviews and, uh, she always declines. 
Uh, but that's okay. She writes the columns. And in her column today, I think the headline says it all. As in the case of John Tory, it's telling what people choose to forgive or ignore. And I won't get too deep into it, but let's just say that in certain circles, people are aware of the personal failings of people in elected office and other positions of power and influence. And for the most part, we don't report on these things because they don't matter. I mean, when we talked to David Ryder from the Toronto Star about why he decided and the Star decided to go ahead with the article about John Tory, the issue was not whether or not he was involved in marital infidelity because, again, we know a lot of people who are. The issue was that this was a person in his office and that since he's the boss, this is a subordinate, and so it becomes a me too issue. And then it becomes, you know, something you can arrive at your own judgment on. Uh, but I think Rosie DeMano is absolutely right that there's all sorts of, um, you know, there's infidelities, there's uh, indiscretions, there are occasionally financial issues. I mean, right now, the Globe and Mail editorial board is going to town on Doug Ford over the Buck and Doe party for his daughter and her fiance and the fact that all kinds of people who he has the power to make wealthy attended and donated to his daughter and her fiance. There are all kinds of things and we just kind of march on. Then we get to the issue of uh, the budget debate today and there is a lot of jeopardy involved with this budget because it's uh, $16.2 billion. It is a certain vision of the city of Toronto. And part of that vision would be, um, you know, $48.5 million more going to the police department, which is already over a billion dollars. There is going to be an interesting struggle today at City Hall. I don't think John Tory is going to have to fight all that hard. I think he's probably got enough of counsel who will back him and doesn't matter. He's planning on staying on as long as he needs to in order to use the powers Doug Ford gave him in order to cement this budget. But there is going to be, as, as you probably know, like I have attended Toronto City Council on many occasions, and the level of uh, petty theater that goes on as people knowing already what the result of something is going to be, try to stage a scene. Um, it's always going to be fascinating. I mean, he's long gone now. Although Giorgio Mammoliti has threatened to run for mayor of Toronto after having failed to be elected mayor of, I think it was Wasaga Beach. But I will never forget one day, Christy Blatchford and I sat together watching the debate on the day where Rob Ford toppled uh, Mrs. Santa Claus. I forget who the city councillor was. Um, Pam McConnell. It was Pam McConnell. Late Pam McConnell. The, the, the much lamented Pam McConnell. Uh, but that was just this insane day. And on that day, uh, if you don't know how Toronto City Council looks, it's this half circle. It's actually like an amphitheater. And so all the councillors are on the floor. And then you have the viewing ranks of the public. And then on top, there is this sort of runway, this semicircular runway where all the reporters hang out. And when a counselor decides they want some media attention, they run up the stairs and they present themselves to the media and they start yakking. And on that one day, Giorgio Mammoliti 
took three different voting positions on the same initiative and all three times came vaulting up the stairs to tell us what he was doing and why. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds getting involved with the Ottawa Senators is kind of an interesting story. I mean, it was Mitch Melnick, wasn't it, uh, who was the owner? Um, he went through a very public event where he needed a liver transplant, and he ended up offering money for a liver transplant, and somebody stepped forward, and that bought him an extra few years, I'm sure, because he wasn't, I don't think he was all that close to the top of the list. Eugene. Okay, Mitch Melnick is actually a sports figure in Montreal. He's a, a reporter. All right. But let me not depart from being wrong on everybody's name at all times. Um, but Ryan Reynolds is part of a group along with something called the Remington Group, a real estate development corporation that's based in Vaughan. And they're making a bid to buy the senators. Ryan Reynolds is not new to team ownership. He owns a British soccer franchise. And I think the the attraction in all of this is probably Ryan Reynolds is a master at social media and self-promotion. And as a matter of fact, he rode that because he's, he's very funny for one thing, also a pretty good looking guy, and also a guy who just seems to have it all. I mean, he's got the acting career, he's got the beautiful wife. He and his wife just revealed sort of in passing yesterday that they now have four children. And I always think one of the interesting things about Ryan Reynolds is he's one of the most successful and famous guys in movie acting. And yet you never hear him whinging about how hard it is to be a celebrity and how invasive everybody is and how abusive everybody is. You never hear him pulling a Prince Harry uh, and talking about how awful the world is, mostly because he manages everything on his own terms. And when it comes to his family, he does not issue public statements about pregnancies or births. He just sort of reveals stuff as it goes along. So a guy like that who took a gin label and brought it to such heights where he sold it for like a billion dollars, uh, he and now I'm trying to remember who's one half of the Blues Brothers, Nick Marano. Uh, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd and I had an interesting interview a few years ago where I said, you've made way more money in business than you did in show business. And he said, yeah, sure. Um, these guys know how to run an operation. So for any group of investors having Ryan Reynolds on board in order to attract heat and attention to the Ottawa Senators is, is going to work. And I don't know enough about the business to offer whether or not there's any risk involved in not having people arriving to buy the Ottawa Senators, but I'm pretty sure I heard somebody in Ottawa talking about how they w didn't want it to become the Quebec Senators uh, because Quebec is angling for a hockey franchise and their best bet is to acquire an existing franchise rather than try to beg the NHL for permission to create a new one. All right, so let's see. Other issues and stories this morning. You know what? From the five things you need to know, I find this story very compelling, and I hope we'll have a good conversation about it this morning. Governor General Mary Simon, and it's a very simple decision and probably a very wise one. 
where she just got tired. And I haven't seen examples. Maybe, Joe Cristiano, you can see if there are examples of the kind of abuse that she's weathered on social media in responses to her tweets. But, I mean, she's just the governor general. Her tweets probably involve today's flag day. Today's the day that I honor five Canadian novelists. And yet the number of apparently violent threats and social abuse on social media have prompted her to shut off responses to her tweets. And I would offer that maybe that's a pretty good idea. I don't know why people are so stupid and ignorant and abusive on social media. I find if you could draw a graph that the level of hostility of a tweet usually varies inversely with the number of followers you have. And I guess that's why people do it. They say something mean and abusive to somebody who has 50,000 followers and they hope that that person responds to them and then they get 50,000 views and maybe they go from six viewers or followers to 10. Um, but there's also a certain pathetic aspect to somebody just sitting there on their phone or on their home computer saying abusive things to people they do not know for the sole purpose of promoting their personal profile, which apparently they want to be a toxic profile. But I'd be interested, you know, when the show's over, we were talking with uh, Jennifer Sheng at CP24 on the segment this morning called What Toronto's Talking About. And I just mentioned, you know, you're on social media because I see her and she talks about her kids and stuff like that. And I thought, okay, you, pro you probably come into abuse. Women in media come into unimaginable abuse. I mean, I found out about this years ago talking to corporate security here about some issues that I was having, which weren't all that bad. I had a very benign stalker who sent me crystal angels in the mail and once showed up at my house. And so we had to raise that to the creation of a file. But I mean, they talked about how people will send soiled underpants through the mail to female talent at Bell Media. I mean, that's how crazy people are out there. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.